Okay, let's get this web conference underway. We'll start with a karakia. Unahed's pot, pot very marama. Kia te ao, te ao, whatitangata. Tātai ki runga, tātai ki raro. Tātai ahero, humie, huie, tāiki. Kia ora tātou, haere mai, and welcome to this special web conference on uh, Get Outdoors Week. So hopefully... Um, you're not with us today because you're outdoors <laughs> and you can listen to a recording of this later. So I'm Shelley the Lens Kayarahi and with us this morning we're lucky enough to have experts both from Lens, Carl Baker and Mountain Safety Council, Bevan. So I'll give you a chance to introduce yourselves and we'll start with Carl please. Uh, morning everyone, my name is Carl Baker and I am a Senior Digital Cartographer at Toi Tutu Whenua Land Information New Zealand and our primary job is to make really cool Topo 50 maps. Um, we do maps for all around the Pacific and the offshore islands um, and I've had a career of dealing with or making maps for the police and for Fire and Emergency New Zealand. Um, and, and lots of other agencies around. So I really love um, what we do, and it's great to be here today to talk to you about maps and how they're going to help you when you get outdoors. Thanks. Kia ora. Thanks, Carl. And Bevan. And kia ora tatou. So I'm Bevan Smith from the Mountain Safety Council. Um, our job at Mountain Safety is to help you learn how to use maps so that you don't get into trouble um, further down the track. Um, that and all sorts of other different skills you can learn to be safe outdoors. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about that today and uh, great to be here with you. Thanks, Shelley. Kia ora. And we've got Barry who's based in Ōtutahi, Christchurch, who will be making sure that all our systems work for this this morning's web conference. And I'm based here in Otipoti, Dunedin. Not a bad day, and I'm hoping that I can get outdoors later on today and looking forward to a weekend with a few plans to do some local walks to make the most of this this week. So uh, we've got some questions on the behalf of schools um, to get us underway. So we'll start with question number one. So, and we might have ideas from both our experts who are based in Wellington. Uh, what has been your favorite experience in the outdoors? This might take a bit of thinking about. Who would like to start? We'll start with Bevan. Uh, yeah, sure, sure. Um, that's a really hard question, um, favorite experience. But I do remember, um, as a kid, I loved being in the outdoors, and I remember my first tramp um, with my with my family. Uh, as I think I was 11 years old, and we tramped on the Orangaronga track um, over to the Orangaronga River, which is in Wellington. Um, and we had to cross a river to get to the hut on the other side. It was really exciting, um, and I remember. Um, melting the bottom of my shoes next to the fire that evening as I as I tried to dry my shoes out. And I learned that drying your shoes out by a fire doesn't isn't very effective. Um, <laughs> especially because I had to cross the river again the next day anyway. I didn't really need to even try that. Um, but it was a great experience and learned a lot from it. And from then on that set me off with a with a passion for getting outdoors and, and going tramping. Yeah. Carl, have you got an answer? Um, 
Yeah, I, I don't do too much outdoors uh, as an adult, but certainly things that I really remember from my school days is going to two places. One's Murupara in the central North Island, and we had a three-day um, camp, and one night we followed a rope through the forest in complete darkness, um, and that was an amazing outdoor experience. You didn't see much, but it was a really... Um, pushing us to our limits of um, being scared, but actually all working as a team and, and getting to the end. And another place we went to is Rainbow Mountain, um, which is South Rotorua. And that was an amazing place to actually climb. And, um, yeah, that was sort of proper tramping. Um, cl- climbing up the mountain um, with all the rocks and stones and everything, it was, it was like we were in another world. So that was an amazing um, trip that we went on as kids. Kia ora. Yeah, I think we're totally blessed in Aotearoa to have so many brilliant places to visit. And question number two is, do people still use paper maps in the outdoors? And if so, why? Carl, we'll start with you this time. Yeah, I thought, I thought we'd start with me. Um, <laughs> so last year when we went on the trip, we saw Search and Rescue um, go out and, and everybody has a paper map. It, it's the backup that we have. Um, it's something that we know that it will work um, when everything else is failing. So if our technology fails or our batteries run out. Um, but the, the other side of the paper map is when we're planning um, our responses to emergency and things, it, it's great to have a paper map laid out on a table and a group of people around it. You can see such a bigger area than, than digital. Um, and also, at my time at Fire and Emergency New Zealand, um, they have command vehicles. Uh, and when they're in a big forest fire or something and they, they're commanding an area, they print out the maps and put them up on the side of the truck so that everybody in the area is aware of the situation. Um, so yes, we could have big digital screens on the side of trucks and we could have projectors and stuff, but when it comes down to it, you need really simple things that you that's guaranteed to work, which is why the paper map is so important. Um, and I also think that we talk about paper maps, but we should really talk about printed maps because people love printing maps and putting them up on their walls because they, they are art and it really connects us to the place that's around us. So lots of people still like the ability to actually put something on the wall and have something static that they can just go and look at, see lots and lots of details. And, and people's minds work really well with looking at really complicated large areas, which you kind of get a little bit limited on digital screens. Yeah, for sure. And Bevan, do you have anything to add there? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I when I go out on on longer tramps, I I generally take a paper map. If I do basic, you know, simple stuff, um, I don't need it unless I'm taking my kids because my kids love looking at the map and working out where are we as we go along the way. And it's a really good way to learn how to navigate uh, is having a map with you always. Um, these days, I've, I've got some good maps on my phone or I have a GPS that I take with me as well. Um, but if I'm going for, for more than a day um, out, and, or especially if I'm going off track tramping, where so I'm not actually following the track, um, some of the, uh, the maps on my phone, they work well when they know when you're on the track, um, but they, get, they can really struggle to get your location sometimes, especially when there's steep you know, gorges and stuff like that to really know where you are. Um, whereas with a paper map, you can you can see that really well uh, and you can see the wider picture. So if you've got to change a route, uh, you can you can do that more easily with a paper map. 
Mm. Yeah, and I'd have to agree. I'm a big fan of the paper maps, having um, started with those. Um, still getting my head around the digital side of things. Nice to be able to zoom in, but sometimes you can lose your way because you don't have the bigger picture in front of you all the time. Thank you. Uh, question three is, how has digital location technology helped us in the outdoors? Bevan. Well, I'll kick off because I was kind of talking about that. So um, when I was a kid, the only option for navigating was a paper map. So that's all you could take if you had, had that. Um, and sometimes the paper maps weren't really accurate. These days, I've got a few different uh, mapping apps on my phone, and they enable you to zoom in really close, and you can get a lot of detail in there about what the topography is like, um, what the land looks like, um, and what's coming up or what's behind you, and that can really help you. Um, as well as that, because phones have GPS um, receivers, they can give you a good sense of where you are, or at least somewhere nearby to where you probably are um, within, within, you know, a few metres, really. Um, and that's that's really changed navigation in a big way. So a lot of people use that now to make sure they know where they are, um, as well as other devices uh, these days with GPS, um, which are a lot better than just your phone, about um, being able to pinpoint where your location is. They're a bit more powerful than just your phone's GPS receiver. Um, that's really useful. And the other thing is ways to call for help now. So there's a lot of the technology. You don't need to carry a big radio box um, and string up wires and trees anymore to call for help or to get the, an update. These days, you can take a little thing. I've got a little inReach, which syncs to my phone, and then I can send text messages to people um, via a satellite system. Um, so that's amazing to have that sort of technology. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the days of carrying around a mountain radio and they were they were quite large and heavy and the aerials, I think you had to spread them out about 100 metres. And when you're in the, the forest, that's not always easy and they didn't work that well. And we just don't know how lucky we are now with the, the technology. Carl, did you have anything you wanted to add to that? Um. Just on the on the actual map making side, that with digital technology we can share information a lot easier, and we can share a lot more information, and we can validate um, and cleanse information really easily. So with you know with our weather forecasting coming in, um, hunting areas and that type of stuff, it's just really easy to bring a lot more information together to make a map, and any any anybody can do it, um, and and it's just really that sharing. It's so much easier to share our information. Um, with the digital technology. Yeah, and that, that lens information, that map data is openly available to people, isn't it? It's free to find online. Yep, there's a number of ways you can do it. We Everything that LINS does is called Creative Commons License, so people can take it and do whatever they want. And we can provide um, the maps, the maps all joined together, and we can provide all the individual layers. So if budding young map makers, map makers want to put things together themselves, we can supply you just the rivers off the map or just the roads off the map or just the huts. Um, and that's all through the LINS data service. Um, which you could search up. And we have tens of thousands of um, people who take that information, turn it into other all sorts of products, really. Um, so, yes, it is all available. 
Fantastic, thank you. And question number four. Have you ever had a potentially tricky experience in the outdoors? And if so, what equipment or knowledge were you glad that you had? I can think of all sorts of things. We'll start with Bevan. Um, strangely enough, uh, this was one that someone easily could have died on. Um, it was when I was a student, I was you know, 20, 21, um, and we were down, down south, um, down near, we started from Lake Pukaki, um, or Lake Tekapo, one of those two, I always get those two mixed up. Um, and we, we had this off-track trip planned um, over the Two Thumbs Range. And our plan was to get to uh, a little ski field called Fox Peak. Um, and we were going to be met at Fox Peak. And then we were going to get on some mountain bikes and go mountain biking down the, down the hill, um, which was going to be heaps of fun. So uh, we'd set ourselves, kind of made up a, an adventure race, eight of us, uh, that we were doing this. And so we'd paddled kayaks up to the top of the lake from the bottom and then jumped off those and we had a shuttle driver so we dropped off our kayaks and we set off uh, the plan was to camp at the top of the lake but we paddled up the lake so quickly that we decided we're going to set off and try and do this overnight and do an overnight mission um, through the two thumbs range there was a full moon which helped um, so we could see quite well um, even without head torches and we we set off and we went um, now first mistake was a we hadn't planned to travel at night second mistake uh, the person who had organized maps for us to go hadn't got proper topo 50 maps he had just photocopied maps. Um, we didn't have color printers back then, uh, so it was a black and white photograph of a Lynn's uh, Topo 50 map. Um, as the night went on, there was a bit of dew and a little bit of drizzle, and those maps got wet. And what happens with a map that's you know laser or ink printed, um, all the lines start blurring together. And, uh, and the edges started fraying where they'd been folded up and the, the maps kind of just disintegrated. Um, so we got to a point at night, um, one, one of our participants started showing signs of hypothermia. Um, so we decided to stop, um, get them into a, a bivy bag that we were carrying for shelter. We didn't have sleeping bags, but we had a few um, survival blankets because um, we planned to go right through the night. Um, and yeah, could have been could have been pretty dangerous. We tried to, the next morning um, after we'd had a few hours shivering, uh, trying to keep each other warm. Uh, we had a mountain radio with us. So that was the only piece of technology we had then. Um, and we tried setting it up and I'd never used one before, so I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and none of others had tried to use it, but for some reason we couldn't get it set up and working properly. Um, we couldn't string it up through a tree to get it up really high. I think that was the main issue uh, because we were out on an exposed ridgeline um, with no up above the, the tree line. And so we couldn't even call, not, not that we needed help, we just wanted to call to our transport to say, look, it's taken us longer than we expected. Um, we're a little bit navigationally embarrassed. Um, and after that point, there was actually a big discussion between the group about where we are because we didn't have a good map to actually figure out where are we and look at um, other 
other locations, use some tools like um, triangulation or resection to try and pick up different peaks to work out exactly where we are on the map. Um, I had felt I had a good idea, but others felt that they had a similar good idea and was completely different to what I thought in terms of where we were. So we ended up splitting up the group um, and deciding we'd go in two different directions, but we'd know and we'd stick to this is what our plan's going to be um, based on what we could see around us. And we were really lucky. Um, it took us all day the next day, uh, but we finally got out and it was after dark that um, I managed to flag down our shuttle driver, been driving up and down the road, um, trying to figure out where we were going to come out. Um, so we learned a lot from that, uh, but definitely learned a lot about maps, keeping maps waterproof, um, making sure you've got a good communication system to be able to call out to someone. Um, it might not be say, hey, come rescue us, but having a, a system where you can call and say, hey, we're, we're delayed, we're a little bit late, we're not going to be as long, it's taken us longer than we expected. Um, really was um, a lot of the main learning points from that experience for us. Mm, yeah, and that, that really is the joy of the technology today because I've I've been on trips where I know people have been panicking about our safety and we've been fine because we just haven't been able to cross a river because the the river's too high or the weather's just not safe enough to to travel, but we're we're all sheltered and we're well. But meanwhile, people at home are going, oh, what's happened? <laughs> So it's, it's good to have that technology where you can send messages out to say, no, we're fine, we're just staying put. We'll see you a day later than we expected. So that tech's really, really helpful. Yep, absolutely. And question number five, if I'm a young person, uh, what, what advice do you have for getting into the outdoors? What advice for our rangatahi do you have? Kevin, I'll, start with I'll keep going. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, getting into the outdoors is as easy as going into your nearby bush and exploring the bush. And I think that being out there and exploring stuff that's in your local area is easy, it's free, uh, you don't need any special equipment, uh, and you can just really enjoy and embrace uh, what nature's got. It's amazing what, what you can do just by uh, getting into the forest and seeing what you can see around you. Um, and sometimes getting off the track um, can, be, can be a lot of fun uh, to go and explore around. As long as that's in your local area and you largely know where you are or um, there's someone that can help you with that, um, it's amazing what you can see, the bird life, um, the, the insects that you see out there that you don't see at home. Um, that's, that's really the, a great place to start. Mm, fantastic. Thanks, Bevan. Carl, do you have anything you want to add there? Um, yeah, just that there, there is so much on offer. And if you, if you understand where you're going, um, start off small um, and then build up to sort of to push yourself later on. Don't try and do the the biggest thing first off um, and there are so many places do your research before you go out um, you can do anything from a half hour to a few hours in the in sort of your first time so yeah get out there and do it kia ora thanks Carl and question number six if you don't have much money um, what outdoor gear do you recommend getting first I'm guessing a raincoat's pretty important <laughs> 
Yeah, raincoat's good, but it doesn't have to be the most expensive raincoat on the market. Um, you know, there's all sorts of technical terms about um, what you can be sold, but at the end of the day, um, something that's actually going to be waterproof. Uh, you don't want just a general Nike sports jacket. Um, for less than that, you can probably get a jacket that's more waterproof. Um, there are some waterproof ratings that places will talk about, um, but I won't go into that too much. You can find out um, that on the Mountain Safety Council website um, about all that technical information about gear. Um, but making sure it's waterproof is, is important. Um, uh, another common thing if you're going outdoors that um, is good to try and avoid is cotton clothing. So most of our clothes these days have cotton in them. Uh, cotton can be really dangerous when you're outdoors if it gets wet because it's, it's very hard to dry cotton quickly. Um, and the way that cotton dries itself is by sucking away all of your body heat to try and dry it out, um, which makes you cold. So it's better to have um, other like synthetic things so nylon polyester uh, merino all those types of um, materials they don't suck your body temperature to dry out they still can keep you warm um, when they're wet so that's the next thing really um, as well as a, a rain jacket yeah and footwear? over time you'll yeah, over time you'll learn that um, there's a range of footwear. Uh, flat running shoes usually isn't the best. You'll just find that you'll slip over all the time. Um, to so having something that's got a really good tread on the bottom of them is, is important. Again, there's a range of options. They don't have to be the most expensive boots uh, necessary. I mean, sure, once you're a, an alpine climber um, or you're going on multi-day tramps, uh, having a decent pair of boots is important. Um, but if you're, if you're just getting into the outdoors, um, usually just a good pair of shoes with good tread on them is sufficient. Excellent. Thank you. And there's heaps of websites and things where you can look up um, types of gear and get some information. So number seven is um, how does Aotearoa's location in the world as a mid-latitude island make us need to think differently about the outdoors compared to the likes of, of North America, Europe, Australia, that are much larger continents. Yeah, Even so really, um, New Zealand's an island with huge amounts of water on all sides. Uh, so the weather's much different here than continental weather, which has the time for you know weather to come over land for a period of time, which makes weather generally stay the same for longer. So in continental systems, uh, you might have uh, you know weeks at a time in summer where there's a thunderstorm every afternoon. Uh, that's really common in Australia, really common in the States, really common in Europe and Asia, uh, that um, they'll have thunderstorms every single afternoon for weeks and weeks. Uh, it's really predictable. Here in New Zealand, we don't have that. Yeah, we have thunderstorms, but it's generally because a passing front is coming through um, and those thunderstorms will, will last for a period of time, probably with really heavy rain and downpours, which European... European systems sometimes don't have the rain with the thunderstorms, um, but then that'll pass. So the next day or the day after that, uh, you might have a beautiful sunny day 
um, and or it might be really windy or clagged in. We, our weather just keeps on changing really quickly um, because of because we're an island. Um, so it doesn't last forever, but at the same time, it can change really quickly. Yeah, and I'm sure we've all experienced that. Kia ora, thanks, Bevan. Anything you want to add to that, Carl? Um, just from a mapping point of view and what we actually see is that we have a lot of rivers that appear to be very small and um, have a very small flow, but when it rains, and it doesn't have to be raining in our area, it can be raining um, up towards the mouth of these rivers that they can collect a whole lot of water. Um, so things can change and things can change more than you expect because your local area um, may be not be having uh, too much rain, but further um, upstream from those rivers, they are actually getting a big weather event. So it's, it's really that, that changeable thing and um, understanding more than just your sort of local area, which is why those weather forecasts and understanding what is coming towards you is, is so important. Yeah, and I guess that's something that I really enjoy about the outdoors is that every time you go out, you learn something more about the environment and you build up a bit of an understanding of how it reacts to different conditions and how you react to those conditions as well. So it's it's all learning, um, but there's lots of tools to help us with that as well. Kia ora, thanks, Carl. And our last question for this morning is what are some of your favourite websites or apps to help us in the outdoors? For example, places to go, what gear to take, how to keep safe. Bevan? Yeah, well, this morning we've been talking about maps, we've been talking about weather, we've been talking about gear, um, and we've been talking about places to go. Well, we've just built an app that does all of that for you, and it's called Plan My Walk. So right on your phone, you can open Plan My Walk, and that'll show you heaps of tracks that are near you that are at your level, that you can filter by you can just scroll through tracks um, and when you find one find one that you like it opens up tells you a bit about the track and it even even gives you a map of that track so you can you can zoom in and you can see where you're going what the track does um, it's a free app uh, and it's also available as a website too um, at planmywalk.nz um, we've got 1,200 tracks on there now, and that's growing every week. We're uploading more and more. Um, it, for every single track, it comes with the best weather forecast for that location and also gives you a packing list. Um, so it tells you what to bring. So on short walks, it'll say, take a rain jacket, um, take some good shoes, um, take a water bottle and a snack. Um, and on longer trips, it'll say, you know, more gear that you're going to need, like your sleeping bag and tent and all those sorts of things. So we're really awesome. excited about it. Yeah, that, that's a really cool idea to be able to combine all that information because that's quite recent, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's just come out this year. Um and but already we've got more than 20,000 subscribers. Well, not that it's a paid service, it's for free, but by subscribing um, or signing up with an account, you can add your mates to it. So you can say, hey, I'm gonna send this trip and you know, Johnny, Bob and Sarah are all coming along with me um, and I'm gonna send it to mum. So mum knows where we're going and when we'll be back, um, which is an awesome added feature that you just do really easily. You don't have to spend lots of time in writing out detailed 
trip intentions about what you're going to do. It's all there in the app and it's done it for you. Um, all you need to do is add, you know, who's going to get it and press send and it goes. So that's really cool. We've also had over 100,000 people go through the app already this year. Um, so it's cool, but it's going to grow hugely over over summer. It is yeah. awesome. So if you're going to a place that not many people go to and you find out something that perhaps wasn't um, included in the app, like there was a bridge that had been washed out or windfall trees mm. cross the track, are you able to add information? You, yeah, you can. Or share you can. information? And you can take photos of it. Um, and upload those so um, you can do that at any time it can be while you were while you're on the track if you've got cell phone reception you could upload it right there and then um, or you could do it later when you get home um, you could just write write a little um, track note at the bottom and press share and that goes up with photos about what's on um, and we monitor that so if anyone says hey look the bridge has been washed out then we'll get in touch with with doc or whoever um, manages that land the council um, or whatever and we'll say hey look you know someone's discovered that there's this damage um, similarly we'll be able to update the the track description um, if someone comes across something like a landslip um, have, and Anyone that's planned to do that trip in time, because you can you can save these trips in advance and say, I'm gonna go and do that next week, or I'm gonna do it in two months, three months time. Um, then people get an alert sent to them and say, hey, look, there's a landslip on this track that you're planning to go. Um, here's, here's what you should do about it. That's amazing, that is so helpful. Cool, thanks Bevan. And Carl, any, any tech apps, websites that that are your favourites? Um, pretty much everything's my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you look at all these things, um, and it's our maps that we've sort of made that are um, underpinning them in a way, um, that's really, really interesting. Um, I'm, I'm probably not too much of a fan of 3D. So I think 3D for planning and that type of thing um, can add information but can also take a, away a lot of information so if you're looking at a big area um, and you're going over a number of ranges actually seeing a flat map tilted is a better view than and then 3d so most people think about cool digital stuff as being 3d and that's sort of the be all and end all but it's not because because you're trying to tell that story um, so um, Bevan mentioned about um, you know the bridges and sort of things being wiped out um, we do have emails that we get from app providers um, with those changes as well. So like you said, it goes back to the landowners and it comes back to us for their maps. Um, the problem that we have is that we have 447 maps to maintain um, with three people doing it. So some of these maps will take a while to get updated. Um, we do different type of um, printing. So our most popular maps, we use offset printing. We print two or 3,000 at a time and it costs a lot of money. So we don't make another map until those stocks have run out. Um, but there are other areas like um, at the bottom of the South Island, we got a call from the police saying that three people had got lost on a track in a month um, and they wanted us to update the track, which was good. Um, so we did that in a couple of days and produced a new map. The, the funny thing about that was we actually only sold six copies in two years of the map of where the tramp was. So um, hopefully people are using digital technology, but, but it was a um, because those maps, we can make those changes really quickly. Um, there, there's a bridge 
washed out here locally. We're only just doing the map now. It was washed out um, five years ago. So this is where it's really important if, if we are finding things that we do share the information between organizations and, and the more people looking at it, the more people feeding it back, then that is how our sort of maintenance and making sure everybody is safe is, is going to happen in the future. Mm, and it's also a good thing to think about that, yeah, we have got all this wonderful technology, but it doesn't replace um, using common sense and and making good decisions when we're out there because if the technology is saying yep we should cross here but it doesn't look good then maybe you shouldn't regardless of what the tech says so it doesn't replace uh, good decision making well thank you so much carl and bevan for your really in-depth answers this morning it's been a pleasure talking to you um before we finish has anyone got anything planned for the weekend for get outdoors to celebrate this this week where we promote outdoor activities. Bevan, have you got anything organised? Yeah, well, my wife's going away this weekend, so I can do whatever I like with the kids and the puppy. Um, so the puppy's going to Granny's house, um, and our, our plan is to, to head out into the bush. Um, so we live near a beautiful place called Otari Wilton's Bush, um, and we get our gumboots on and we go exploring up creeks and, um, and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, so we're going to have a great time doing that. Fantastic. And Carl, any, any plans? Yep, so we, I'm in Paikakariki and we're close to a place called Whariroa Farm and we have a short walk that's just over an hour um, that I take my sons up to the sea. We haven't been up there for a while, so we should get up there. Um, the weather's looking really, really good. It's an easy walk. <laughs> uh, we do race, but I always make sure I come last, let the kids win. <laughs> it's important for, for their confidence. <laughs> Thanks, Carl. Barry, you've got anything um, planned? Oh, yeah, we um, sometimes walk the dogs at Horswell Quarry, which is a real mecca for on the outskirts of Christchurch. And um, it's got a, a lot of people take their dogs there, so you're not taking it to somewhere where they don't belong. Um, and beautiful views across the Canterbury Plains to the Southern Alps. So um, in between a bit of golf, there's probably a walk involved. Nice. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm going to try and get out on my mountain bike. Um, it might just be a gravel ride, road um, road ride, because the weather doesn't look too flash um, rather than some muddy single track. And also a bit of a walk, I think, is in order. We're um, quite close to the Silver Peaks where I live, which is a, a bit of a tramping area north of Utiputi. Nice and, and forested and easy to get lost, so I might have to take a map with me. <laughs> But thank you very much, everyone, for a great web conference this morning. And for anyone listening, it doesn't have to be outdoors week. Any week can be getting outdoors, especially in our beautiful Aotearoa. So get out there, enjoy your adventures, make the use of technology so you can do it safely. And, and remember to share your adventures. We'd love to hear about any adventures that you undertake. So thanks, everyone. Na mihi nui. And that brings our Learns web conference to an end.